Hello, everybody. Welcome to Camel Call Friday with Evan Budrovich. I'm Chris Haymeyer. We are deep into fall, and we are deep into it's go time. It is the time when conference regular season titles are decided, when conference tournament championships are decided. And when we woke up earlier this week, every Campbell fall sports team was in first place. Just incredible. It's neat, too, because you mentioned this final month stretch, right? Football has a chance to go 2-0 and and even farther. Women's soccer could clinch the conference in a couple of weeks. Men's soccer has some work to do, but they could win the conference. And volleyball at 8-0, and they're halfway through their season. They could easily win, let's say, seven of their next eight, even all eight, and, and win the regular season title. Yeah, and we'll put this on your radar. We'll talk about everything that's going on this weekend, and there's a lot. The women have an outside chance of clinching the title at UNC Asheville. A couple other teams would have to lose everything like that. But if they win this weekend on the 26th, which is next Wednesday or this coming Wednesday, women's soccer, 7 o'clock versus Longwood. If Campbell wins that game, they will win the Big South Conference regular season crown. Um, just incredible, especially under a under a new head coach. And, and to clinch and it everything home, going on. That matters. Yeah. The women's soccer tournament is at Matthews. It's a neutral site. So to be able to win with your home fan base, it would be the final home game. They've already had a senior day, but that sort of caps off this three-year run of three titles in three years. Yeah, just incredible what's been going on. And, of course, we're, we're taping this on Thursday. Volleyball playing a Thursday-Friday schedule, but they are finally back home. They have played such a road-heavy schedule. They are back home, still undefeated. Well, you know Greg Gorl's the mastermind of this schedule. There's no doubt. He pitched this format <laughs> yeah. Yeah. of playing two regional opponents on right. Thursday, Friday, or Saturday to the conference because they used to do just home, you know, the one-and-one. One, yeah. And he didn't like playing back-to-back against a team. So – you play Charleston Thursday, you play Gardner-Webb Friday, you have your pods, High Point and Campbell pod up, you, different teams you work with in these groups of three. Radford's the third in our bracket. And the Charleston Southern matchup on Thursday will be interesting. That's probably the best team of the two they'll face. Um, David McFatridge, a former Mississippi head coach, he's now at Charleston Southern. And then Gardner-Webb is a scrappy team. Campbell should win both. Greg Worrell would be honest in assessing that, but this team has played really well. Yeah. I mean, Melody Page over 100 blocks, Claire Infector, best libero in the conference, and then a semblance of weapons. You've talked to them on this podcast before, but they have the senior leadership to really keep this going. Yeah, and and, and they lost some key pieces last year as well. So, of course, kudos to uh, Coach Corals. We've said many, many times he basically had to build from scratch a Division One volleyball program, and he has. And only once has a team gone undefeated in Big South play. That was High Point two yep. years ago. And it would be very hard, Campbell, with the round-robin format. Campbell does have to go back to High Point, and then High Point uh, will host the tournament no matter what happens. It's a, it's a predetermined site, just like it was last year when Campbell Campbell won here. All right, so your, your relatives came into town. Uh, your mom and dad came into town from L.A. You guys did a little bit of everything, didn't you? We did the state fair, and my dad got the foot-long Carolina chili dog which was pretty impressive. And yeah. then we did, you know, the kettle corn. They had a pineapple smoothie. It, it wasn't spiked, but it just had the strawberry banana, and you could dig into the pineapple. And then the uh, the deep-fried Oreos were always my yeah. favorite. Those are always good. Yeah, yeah, those are good. You know, it's interesting out here. Obviously, I come from Missouri, a big, a big farming state and everything like that. So it's interesting, back in Missouri, the county fairs, were huge. Like if you could imagine that the, the county fairs 
were like many state fairs. They had everything, the live music, the tractor pulls, the animals, they had everything, they were many, and the state fair was just blown up like that. When I came here, I went to my first county fair, and it was just like a bunch of rides, you know, and a dude showing off a, showing off a sheep or something like that, and then I'm like, man, the fairs here are lame. Then you go to the state fair, which is put on really, really well, and it's something that I think if you went to North Carolina public schools, uh, anytime over the last 15 years, you took a field trip there, centrally located in that. So everyone loves the state fair. And then they've kind of made a thing of it of like, we're going to see how much cholesterol we can put in one food. What did they think of it being from LA? It was really crowded on Sunday. And that may have detoured them a little bit, but they love the rides. We did the Ferris wheel. Yeah. We saw the cows and the horse exhibits. We saw the turkeys that they hide in the back, the chickens and the, the, the rooster coos. Did, didn't see any camels. I was hoping we could, but yeah. maybe, maybe next year. Yeah, then not native to the state. And speaking of fun things you can do this fall, Tarts Corn Maze is very Campbell-centric. It's on the other side of Don. You're going to go out there with a, uh, with a drone, but, but, but tell us about that. It's, it's really cool what they're doing. Well, I want to give you credit because you and Haven Hoddle helped work this deal out, right? And the entire corn maze, think of hundreds of, of feet, even hundreds of yards of corn. It's the largest maze in the state of North Carolina. Yeah. And it's set up with the camel crest, mm-hmm. the, the Kivet Hall crest. Yeah. It has the fighting camel head, and it says fighting camels drawn out in the corn, or cut out, I guess, cut out in the corn all across the, the corn maze. So it's pretty neat. It's a, it's a pretty amazing thing, and it, and it goes on and again. They are, you know, we, we looked at it, our boys, we thought, oh, that'd be a fun thing to go out to, of course, you know, support them because they're supporting us. And we looked, and they have, like, all, it's like a little amusement park. Like, you pay a, a, a decent amount at the gate, but you get to do so much stuff, which our little guys that can't even walk yet um, aren't ready for. But it's a, but it's a cool thing, and they, did a, and they did a good thing. I'll, I'll go behind the story here, a little bit of inside information. That's why we have this podcast. So when they called me to ask, you know, if they could get permission to, to do that, and I said, well, we got to talk to Haven, but, but um, I'll, uh, I'll open the door for you. And then they said, yeah, like we wanted to have you, NC State and UNC all represented on it, which you get. And UNC and NC State didn't want to be in the same corn maze with Campbell. So he said, all right, it's just going to be all Campbell. So UNC and NC State, not the on the largest maze. largest corn maze in the state. Because, you know, we have someone that's looking out for us. And, of course, uh, Campbell means a lot to this community. The community means a lot to Campbell. And there's another thing that the, the, the good tart people um, putting us in their corn maze. By the way, that corn maze, you can see it through the first weekend in November. So go either this week or next week. Those are the best two weeks to do. Yeah, yeah. and they've got all the pumpkin stuff. And like I said, it's a, it's a lot of good things. And they might be paying Evan, but they're, but they're not paying us to say this. Just good, good people that are, that are looking out for us. Also, um, this weekend coming up, you know, swimming, they go to Gardner-Webb. Swimming goes to UNC Asheville. It's a young team. He's really excited about all the freshmen as they have really, I think if you, if you take when their first contest and when's their last contest, and they probably have the longest season of of any team they are a winter sport technically but right. they start in the fall and end in the well, spring and it's tough to your prs and your best performances yeah. are at the end of the year right in the ccsa the mark bryant invitational had a video for the big south conference but that tournament you want to do your best in march and in late february 
your times are important now, but it's not the ultimate you want to win the conference yeah. against. The Liberties, the, the Gardner-Webbs, the Asheville's at the end of the year. Men's tennis, women's tennis. We'll have uh, men's tennis coach David Johnson on for the second half of this podcast um, coming up. And, of course, he was both the men's and women's coach for a long time and successful for a long time. He not only was doing that back in, you know, Campbell was first Division One. But uh, he was he was doing it just uh, as recently as five years ago. So it'll be fun to talk to them. They do their main season in the spring, but they have some exciting fall stuff. Of course, men's and women's golf going as well. So that's a coach when you talk to him. He's the nicest human being I've ever met. There's no doubt. And when he worked with the men's squad, they had a five-year stretch where they went to four finals and lost all of them. It was the hardest thing emotionally yeah. to cover. And then that last year, they win yeah. the title and go to North Carolina for the tournament for the NCAAs. That was such an awesome, inspiring moment because that man puts his heart and soul into Campbell Tennis and to finally win a title, that was big for that program. And, and had to coach two Division One teams. That's something, again, back in the 80s, yeah, maybe they did that. Of course, our coach uh, Crooks does that with golf, but just uh, so tough and they were successful. And then, of course, last year, the man winning the the regular season title. Um, yeah, there is, a, there is a lot to him, and we will definitely get into that. Saturday, football. Campbell on the road now for the next. Have you read three Twitter days. this week? I've read a lot of Twitter. People are tagging me in it. Where I was on one podcast, oh, said nice right. things about everything, and now they think this guy knows it. So I'm in these like firefights that people tag me on. I'm I'm not saying anything because I respect Jackson State, but we knew this coming in. Jackson State football at an FCS level, at an HBCU level. It is in in a level in the South because of Dion. That's on the radar of everything. With, with homecoming weekend, with this top ten game. team, they are the best team on Campbell's schedule left. Yeah, and it's a great test on the field. Mike Minner mentioned the cultural aspect of it, and he's talked to us about that of going to an HBCU. He uses the term PWI sometimes for for Campbell University. It's not a knock. It's just a predominantly white school, and to have that cultural experience for his kids to to fly into the charter plane to see the band. He said he wants to pull his team out at halftime. Now, if they're losing, I don't think he's going to do that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we'll see if that happens. But if they're up by a touchdown, he may have them sneak out and watch the band yeah, at halftime. Yeah, we'll see. But homecoming, 50,000-plus, great atmosphere, a town that loves football, yeah. the capital city. I mean, that, that makes for a great weekend. Yeah, J- Jackson State ranked number six in the nation in one poll, number nine in another poll, of course, Deion Sanders, who is a f- Football Hall of Famer, was in the pros for over a decade, also played baseball too, which also blows your mind. This wasn't back in the 30s. This was back 20 years ago. He has really changed people's perception of HBCUs and at Jackson State. This is a proud Jackson State program. Four Hall of Famers. They've put over 100 people into the NFL draft. The city and the university fell on hard times, and he made a decision after seeing everything that was going on um, in this country um, and the spotlight put on on race in 2020, he said, you know, a lot of people are, are getting behind um, uh, so social media and trying to change things that way. I'm going to actually change things. And he he took over a program that had 10 straight losing seasons. Yeah. They were at the bottom of the swack, and he's turned them into a, a title contender, an FCS title contender, and it's just brought life with his son playing there and another five-star. Like, the energy and enthusiasm is, is so vital for that program, and it's starting to grow to an exponential level. Yeah, and it's great for the parallels. Uh, obviously not as famous, but again, one of the most famous Carolina Panthers to play here a- at the beginning of the, the 2000s, and Mike Minder that has come and took over a program that was a one-win program and has built it into 
the same sort of things that are you're saying. Now, this is a non-conference game. I know it gets confusing because the Big South with their football-only members, people come in and out. We played Robert Morris from Pittsburgh last week. It was a conference game. This is a non-conference game. So win, lose, or draw, I guess you don't draw anymore, but, but, but win or lose, Campbell still has everything on the table and still has the upcoming three games starting next Saturday at the homecoming for NCA&T, which is, which is another homecomings. spectacle, yep, which yeah. is another spectacle on its own, to win the Big South Conference and get into the FCS playoffs for the first time. Where this game is very, very interesting, if Campbell's able to beat a top-10 team, they're receiving votes right now in both polls, they would be into the top 25 in the FCS poll for the first time in program history, and if they were able to win out after that, they would move up to the rankings, maybe in the top 20, maybe in the top 15. Well, Campbell's never been nationally ranked. Yeah, They've had votes before, but to really get into the poll, they have to beat a ranked team. Mm -hmm. We saw against William & Mary, a slow first half, but they were in that game. You know, Hodge had a couple of picks. They didn't play their cleanest brand of football. But for them to have a, a ranked win yeah. would be a game changer. Yeah. It puts you into the playoff conversation. It actually gives you a route to make the playoffs if you don't win your conference. I don't think that would happen if you lose to a Gardner-Webb or something, yeah. but it gives you that avenue. And then, too, the perception of the program, the national brand, grows with a, with a ranked win. There's no doubt. It's already on a lot of people's radar because we're going to a different part of the country. And, again, with, with, with all of the hype, we are the best team on Jackson State's schedule this year, too. So they want to prove something. Campbell wants to prove something. You win this game, you keep winning. You're ranked in the top 20, maybe in the top 15. You could host an FCS playoff game. Hold up. Possibly. Thanksgiving weekend? Possibly. Also, too, if this is all new to a lot of Campbell fans, you know, even if you go on the road or if you host something, it's Thanksgiving weekend on on, on Saturday. So that, is, that would be great problems to have. Yeah. Also, if you do well, any camera work, we would need you for the ESPN Plus yeah, screen. Your dad and my parents will have to fly <laughs> yeah. in to work the game. Um, yeah. More importantly, with the regional regionality of the FCS playoffs, you typically play yes. Elon. Richmond, they Charleston you Southern. You play teams in your area. So there's a lot of that competitiveness that will be neat in the first round. And, again, if things don't go the way we want and uh, it's not a win, everything's still on the table. You're probably not going to host an FCS playoff game. You're probably not going to get in as an at-large. But it's those three games, three tough games at NCANT at Bryant, which is a Big South Conference team this year, football only. They're a former Division II, the 10 Rhode Island. That played Charleston Southern to the last no second doubt. field goal. And played an FBS team in FIU pretty uh, pretty tight as well. And then if you win those two games next Saturday, the Saturday after, Gardner-Webb, Barbecue, Barbecue Bowl, Bowl, Big South title. win, and you're into the big FCS playoffs, and you hold up two trophies, as oh. it would be the Big South Conference which, trophy which and one, the Barbecue Bowl trophy. Which one do you grab first? Because I know Hannah Baysmore is going to grab that conference trophy. Does Mike no doubt. rip the Barbecue Bowl trophy no. up and then raise he, it in the air? He would, he would have that conference trophy off in the air. He would take it home with him. He would probably sleep with it that night um, and, and the next couple of weeks. So, again, we are getting way ahead of ourselves before that. We uh, very well may get to put together some more conference trophies. All right, that'll do it. We've got more coming up after the break. Thanks, Evan. Homecoming, Barbecue Bowl. Planning a tailgate? Then it's bow time. Bojangles has everything you need for the perfect tailgate, no matter how many fans you're trying to feed. 
There's the original tailgate, the super tailgate, and for a really big crowd, the jumbo tailgate special. And if you like your chicken off the bone, choose the Supreme's tailgate special that includes 12 perfectly seasoned tenderloin fillets. So grab the tickets, get that Bojangles tailgate special, and go. It's bow time. They say a camel never gets lost in the desert. It always knows where to find something to eat and drink. With this in mind, join other Fighting Camel fans at the Kicking Camel Grill for exciting game day parties. Help cheer our team on to victory while watching the games on one of 10 televisions. Try some of the Camel's mouth-watering buffalo wings, a 12 taco platter, or North Carolina's own Bright Leaf Hot Dogs. The Kicking Camel Grill, your oasis for great food and beverage. Hi Campbell fans, I'm Christy Yarbrough with Remax United. Thinking about buying or selling or know someone who is? Let me help you make the right moves. It's important to work with the right agent with local knowledge and cutting edge experience. I can help ease the pains of the buying or selling process by guiding you through the steps. Whether it's connecting you with the right lender, home inspector, handyman for those undone projects, staging and prepping your home for sale, or helping you find the ideal home that fits your family's needs. Visit my website for more information at christyy.remaxagent.com. Go Camels! Welcome back to Camel Call Friday. It is my pleasure to welcome into the show Coach David Johnson. He was the men's and women's coach. He was the head coach for both of those teams and very successful for 20 years. Now he's in his fifth year as the full men's coach as, uh, as the women um, have gone to another coach. But his Camel squads have reached the Big South Conference Championship match six times in the last 18 years in 2018 Big South Conference tournament title, first appearance in the NCAA regionals last year, uh, following that up with a regular season title. And, and Coach, I know you have said that that was really the perfect ending to a full circle, tumultuous four years with COVID thrown in the middle of you guys winning those two trophies. When you think back to that time and the trophies won, what memories come to mind? Well, uh, reiterating what you just said, I mean, from 2018, having had that successful year and having won the uh, conference championship and going on to the NCAAs, and we did return a very strong team that next year, but we're shut down due to COVID. And then the, the year afterwards, full swing COVID quarantines, positive tests, et cetera. That was tough. And then to rebound and recover from a year ago, that was a put a nice exclamation point on, as you said, that kind of four-year cycle. And so I was real happy to kind of hit the reset button in more ways than one and happy for the guys that had, had to kind of prevail through that. Coach, tell me about your squad this year. You guys seem to play competitive matches all the time. Your competitive, quote-unquote, season is in the spring, but you've already played a lot. What, what can you tell us about what you got? Well, the fall for us is, is, is our non-traditional season, and it's more individual in nature where we play typically weekend tournaments alongside others. And it's, there's no team scores kept, so they can play with a little bit more freedom. It's to reevaluate the returners where they are versus where they've been in relation to where they need to be. And then we've got two new guys and kind of see where and how they're going to fit in as well. So it kind of allows us to assess <clears> – <throat> excuse me, access and reassess 
uh, status of things. Um, this weekend, you go to the ITA Carolina Regional right up the road in Cary. Tell me about that event. A lot of fun. Uh, I think the guys always look forward to it because it's it's one of the fewer instances where we can kind of rub shoulders with Duke and Carolina and State and Wake and and and, and, and the Power Five type teams. And uh, you know, we it it oftentimes can and does show that the gap is is not as big as what it might be made out to be. And it's 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 nice to have those opportunities to compete with the best within our region, and that's what it's all about. And this region is one of the best when it comes to Division One college tennis, isn't it? Oh, without a doubt, yeah. I mean, it, it, it consistently has been that and continues to be. I mean, South Carolina, their doubles team just won the All-American Championship in Tulsa, and uh, uh, obviously Carolina is always strong at Chapel Hill. Wake, uh, you know, won the NCAAs just a few years ago. Uh, State gotten a lot better. Yeah, it's it's strong. You have put together such strong squads year after year after year. You've done it with, with, with some homegrown talent from, from here in the States, but you've done it with talent from all over the world. Tell me about your recruiting and, and how that works internationally and how you've gotten so many talented student-athletes to come to the Creek. Well, I first and foremost, our sport, uh, next in line to soccer, obviously, or football, as they call it in Europe and beyond, uh, it is so global. Uh, and uh, in many countries, it, uh, it it ranks probably in the top three or four, either viewed sports or participatory sports, you know, relative to the U.S. So, um, you know, the visibility now, I guess, with what we have to offer is greater, as is with everybody else. But uh, through the years, you know, you make contacts with with coaches and, and other affiliations and associations, current players, former players, networking, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you know, we do field a, quite a diverse team, but then again, too, for that matter, many and most of our competitors, conference-wise and otherwise, it's much the same for them as well. How fun is it to, in your locker room, in the, in the van rides, uh, back and forth to all of these, all of these tournaments and, and, and individual matches, how, how fun is it to have kind of a rolling United Nations with you? That has to be something. You know, there are times it can be a bit challenging, you know, based on, based on the backgrounds and personalities and cultures and so forth and so on. But uh, to be honest, it's, it's by and large, it's entertaining. It's, it, it's fun. I, I think I try to, promote somewhat of a open-ended uh, environment you know I can within good taste you know kind of poke fun at them sometimes and they <laughs> they do likewise to me I'm sure so it, it, it cuts both ways but it kind of frees people up and relaxes them a bit more and uh, you know some of the pronunciations or some of the explanations <laughs> or, uh, or some of the reactions and responses are, 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 are interesting to say the least yeah as you might imagine. Um, one of the many interesting things about you is is not only have you been successful here in over two decades at Campbell, but you coach both the men's and women's team for practically two decades as well. That was something that was commonplace in the 80s and 90s, but, but you were doing that here, coaching two uh, very demanding Division I teams. How the heck did you do that? You know, as the years go by, having been removed from that, I consistently ask myself the same question. You know, <laughs> yeah. looking back, I guess, when and while you were doing it, you're, you're kind of immersed in it and don't have the time to, to you know, consider that. But 
a, you know, it is a challenge. Uh, there's very, very few of those instances where that does remain at the D1 level, as you just inferred. And years ago, it was more commonplace, I suppose. But yeah, it's, it's challenging. I mean, but both teams now do the nature of the sport and the competitiveness demand and require just, just more attention. Uh, and when you're trying to do both, and, and in our instances, when we do compete in our tournament season you know we've got six matches going on on six courts and and to try to logistically navigate that with one team can be tricky uh, let alone <laughs> with with two as you can imagine yeah no doubt no doubt um I'll go back to what's going on this year there's something on your schedule the big south individual fall tournament can you tell me a little bit about that that this was kind of initiated pre-covid I yeah. think uh four years ago if three or four years ago and I had been batted around within the conference by some of the coaches to try to, you know, target uh, something in the fall where it would be exclusive to, to the conference. And I think some other conferences, I know the Southern Conference does something similar, and I think some others do that as well. And, and it was to try to just bring the conference schools together where we could all get kind of a uh, – an added uh, formality or informality with just being around ourselves, not within the full team context, but basically our three or four, you know, top players alongside theirs and to try to, in effect, crown a, a singles and doubles champion, you know, via the fall for the, uh, for the conference purposes. And when we did have it several years ago at Presbyterian, it went over quite well. Yeah. I think the coaches and the players enjoyed it. The fact that there's no team score kept – you know, the rapport, the interaction with the coaches and players between the different teams was a little more uh, casual and friendly because <laughs> it's not like our team, you know, uh, at the tournament, obviously, it, it's it's a different story in the spring. But, but yeah, I, I'm looking forward to it. I think the, the players from some years ago really enjoyed it, and I anticipate and expect and hope the same this year as well. You have been one of the longest-tenured um coaches here still coaching here at Campbell you have seen this place go through it from uh from budgets to adding new sports to new buildings what is it like when you think back to what this place was when you started and what it's like now yeah it kind of reflects my age you know going from the the different decades and uh yeah the the changes have, have been immeasurable um in those regards as you've mentioned with the infrastructure the facilities the growth of the school the stature conference affiliations etc uh it's uh when i look back uh from where things were when i got here in the late 90s compared to now it's uh uh, it's quite something, uh, and and let's face it. Uh, full credit to those that had the the vision to 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 move things forward, uh, as has been the case uh, throughout this period of time. And and yet, as we all know, I think there's an element uh, of necessity that kind of coincided with that as well, both uh, educationally and academically, and certainly athletically as well. And moving to the CAA, what does that mean for the men's tennis team? Well, it's definitely for tennis, uh, you, you know, pretty substantial upgrade. And I can imagine to some extent with probably many or most of the other sports as well. Um, you know, so it's, it's going to demand and require, uh, you know, recruiting stronger, uh, bringing in better players and, and trying to further develop them. It, it represents a challenge. And uh, I don't think we would be in this business if we didn't like challenges. 
No doubt. Um, I call you the most interesting coach on campus. I've, I've been able to get to know you over the past decade, and, and I like a couple things, maybe some things that people don't know. Number one, you, you ride a motorcycle. Not yes. always to work, but you do a motorcycle. Talk about motorcycle riding. How did, that, how did that start? Is it as cool as I think it is? You know, I growing up years ago, the youngest of six boys, I had mini bikes, and then I had like dirt bikes, motocross type. Vic, you know, my mother really was never all that fond of it. But uh, and then through the years, on and off, I've had street bikes in various forms. And for me, it was just uh, an extension of my youth from that time, and perhaps even now still. <laughs> uh, you know, I don't go fast or anything. It's just kind of just kind of relaxing to get out on a Sunday afternoon and ride down a country road and with no destination in mind. And so, yeah, and that's, that's, yeah, it's pretty cool. (laughs) All right. You're a, you're a dirt bike, street bike guy growing up. Where does the tennis come in? And that's usually not two things that are, that are combined there. How did, how did that all weave into your life? Uh, Well, I, you know, I, I was growing up uh, school wise and culturally wise and otherwise, um, in the 70s, uh, early 70s, mid-70s. I graduated high school in 77. Yeah. Uh, you know, back then, sport uh, within high school or beyond was a little bit more seasonal. And so I played uh, a variety of sports as opposed to the year-round nature of what most of them are today. But alongside that, you know, I rode dirt bikes and then motorcycles, and I was – pretty good at water skiing not as good at snow skiing but pretty good at water skiing so I dabbled in a lot of different things don't know how great I was at any one of them but I was pretty good at a lot <laughs> where did you grow up uh my father was a Presbyterian minister we grew up in and around Charlotte we lived in Gastonia we lived in Rock Hill we lived in Lancaster uh Burlington uh, so the Carolinas, a, a minister's son. So now the motorcycle. Pe- so now the motorcycle yeah, starts. A little to make bit of rebellion, sense, huh? yeah. <laughs> Perhaps. Uh, hey, evil can evil was real big. I, oh you'd have to gosh, look that right, up for those right. that don't know who I'm talking. Well, about. well yeah, you, you talk about the '70s and graduating um, high school in the in the '70s, and gosh, tennis was so hot in America then in the seventies and then the eighties, you went from, you went from Carter to McEnroe to, 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 to Sampras and, and everything to where we are. Is, is it kind of sad that you've seen it fall off? I guess with the Williams sister and and now Coco golf, you can see a new generation, but, but man, it's not what it was in the seventies and eighties. No. And, and clearly to, to answer your previous question, you know, that captivated my interest because as I, as I referred to, uh, Early on, I was engaged in the traditional team sports. I played football in high school with this body, and then I was better at basketball. And then my dad had played tennis, and he built us a clay court in the backyard, and that's basically where I learned wow, how to play. Wow, the, the, the Presbyterian minister yeah, yeah, built was, you a clay court? Yeah, I helped him, yeah. Uh, so How hard is that to do? That wasn't too, too hard. <laughs> uh, but, uh, wow. but, but that's kind of how that all started, yeah. and that was my <coughs> – excuse me. That was my first uh, – endeavor into uh individual sport you know yeah. whereas before everything was was team oriented and and i liked the dynamic of, of being able to kind of control played a lot of golf back then too um uh but uh but i liked that uh allure of yeah. you know kind of having a little more control over my own destiny and that's kind of what spurred my interest with regards to tennis but yeah, certainly back then, you know, Borg, McEnroe, Connors, Nastasi, Stan Smith. Right. You had the Aussies, Newcomb, Laver. 
uh, yeah, it was a hotbed, and and we were, and then from there we had Courier, Chang, Sampras, Agassi, and and so on, and and yeah. it was very very much at the forefront and you know i mean you know where we are now we haven't won a grand slam on the men's side right. in over 20 years um, and it was and it was so competitive like you mentioned all those you know for the past 10 years in men's tennis we've we've had three for the for the most part the much, guys that yes. are going to be in the finals now but but you rattle that off i mean there were four or five americans that were in the mix all the time That's let correct. alone what was happening That's around correct. the world all right what what position did you play in football I played wide receiver on Did a team you? That, okay. never, that never threw the ball. Yeah. <laughs> I ran like the option. <laughs> so I, and then I played defensive back, uh, you know, on defense. But, uh, yeah, um, wh- tried not to get hurt. One more of the many interesting, la- interesting layers to you. You, you are a, a family man, and you, and you married a, uh, the, a French woman. What has that been like to kind of be intertwined into, into the French culture? I know you go over there and visit a lot. It's been fascinating. I mean, uh, through the years prior to this, obviously with the exposure to so many uh, cultures and countries and languages and backgrounds with regards to my players, this was just an added, uh, you know, element. And, uh, you you know, it was then, continues now to be interesting to say the very least. Uh, You know, you learn a lot more about uh, other aspects of the world and you learn a lot more about yourself in the process. Uh, so, but it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a blessing. What are some of the big differences either to the positive or negative, maybe French culture to American culture? One of the positives that strikes me when I first was there and then each and every time I go back is just the, the kind of the throwback, I suppose, to maybe was what's more the case here years ago. I mean, there, uh, Sundays, most of the shops and stores are closed. Yeah. Mondays, half the shops and stores are closed. The rest of the week, one to three, most of the shops and stores are closed. Yeah. At 7 o'clock, they're all closed because they're going to eat. Yep. And they're going to enjoy. And, and, you know, fast food is really not uh, uh, a big thing there yeah. in relation. And so the the pace of life is just, it, it, it's very different. And in that sense, I think they've, They've probably got it figured out a little bit better than we do in some regards, uh, uh, you know. And uh, even years ago, when I visited Australia and spent a couple summers there, I yeah. found that to be much the same there. And you know, here it's kind of rush here, rush there, <laughs> deadline this, deadline that. And I enjoy just that uh, slower lifestyle, uh, you know, kind of smell the roses type thing. No doubt, uh, I. I found too that uh, in France they they kind of get a bad rap for the being rude and everything like that. Maybe if you're in downtown Paris in the in the fashion district or whatever. But I found them be be nice people. And you've spent more time than that. Maybe they are rude to to Americans. But I don't I don't find that at all. No, I mean if you make the attempt to speak their language, yeah. they certainly appreciate that. No but doubt, many or most will speak uh, speak English. And I do have and have had quite a lot of very good French players, and uh, uh, they've all been very uh, gracious and very polite. And uh, yeah, I think it's uh, it's worked well for me by and large. So, uh, as I said, there are times that it's it's interesting. I was going to say I cut you off. What else were you going to say about that uh, that fantastic country and culture? Oh, in terms of uh, France, I yeah no, uh, uh, it's uh, as I mentioned uh, with regards to the cuisine, the food, and and, and the lifestyle. That there's not quite as I said the 
the, the rush. Uh, obviously, here we have, and you can look at this either in a good sense or perhaps not so, we have abundance and we have access and we have it 24-7. And again, that's both good and bad, yeah. depending on how you want to look at it. Uh, and obviously, that's not quite the same, not only there in France, but throughout Europe. You've got to kind of pick and choose when and where you're going to do things, going shopping, etc., because it's not accessible you know, as much as of what it would be here. Uh, and it makes you kind of control the narrative yeah. a little bit more. Our head men's tennis coach, David Johnson, thank you so much for taking time. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate it. That'll do it for Camel Call Friday. We'll be back with another episode next week. Our Camel Call Live podcast drops on Tuesday as well. Have a great weekend, everybody.